It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you with your car problems on the on the Saturday morning. And if you're wondering, hey, he sounds a little funny. What's up with him? Well, I have a cold, so I here and there I may be sniffling and sneezing. So I apologize for that. Uh, a little bit later in the program, we're going to be giving away some tickets to the auto show in Connecticut, so stay tuned for that. We'll let you figure out how we're going to give those tickets away. Uh, so we have that coming up. But uh, with us on the phone is the uh, COO of the uh, Call Your Car Club, and uh, uh, Frank Gibbons is the COO. And uh, I don't know as much as I should know about this, and that's why I wanted to have Frank on the program. Frank, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. John, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate sure. it. Uh, well, first off, uh, let's let's start kind of go back in time a little bit. Uh, tell me about Collier and uh, and uh, what that's all about and where the car club is going to go. Well, let's talk about the Collier Car Club in Delray Beach, Florida. All right, where I'm sitting right now. On, all right, sitting right now on the parking lot. Uh, we're we're under construction. Uh, <laughs> It's a. Uh, they give you a hammer or anything. On, they give you a hammer and some tools. Yes, I have. Yeah. I have a hammer and a tool belt on right as we speak. There you so go. I'm, uh, I'm. I'm ready to go. It's. Uh, it was an existing building, mm-hmm. uh, so we're remodeling it. Uh, we're about fingers across. Uh, about five months from opening, we're hoping to open a Q1 of 2020. Okay. Uh, Fifty-five thousand square foot building. Uh, again, called Collier Car Club. Mm-hmm. We're literally we're literally twenty five feet uh, from I ninety five. It goes right through the side of the southern southern part of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chose Delray Beach, uh, lovely Delray Beach, of course, because of the uh, location: Palm Beach, Palm Beach County, mm-hmm. Boca, uh, Fort Lauderdale. So it's an excellent spot for for car lovers. And uh, so I think that was uh, that was the impetus of um, starting the car club. Uh, the very first one, yep. uh, the the one we hope of, of many uh, across the U.S., but the very first one in Delray Beach, Florida. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of an interesting idea because I have seen, uh, for instance, up uh, up north here, there's the Monticello racetrack where people can bring their cars to race, but they also can store them. And their their plan someday is to have a place where people can actually work on them. But that's actually something you want to be able to do as well, that you want to have a kind of a co-working space, right? That's exactly. Uh, store, wrench, plan, and meet. That's our kind of our mantra. You know, okay. that, yes, it's a storage place for your car. It's not a condominium. You would lease the space. Mm-hmm. We'll hold about. We'll hold just over three hundred cars uh, in the building. Um, the uh, and then the idea is you'll have your meaningful car, and that could be uh, a pickup truck. I'm in the trucks. Don't judge me. Mm-hmm. Or, it could a- be your, or it could be your. Or it could be your. Your. Your Ferrari, 
and you'll be able to bring there. And it's all about community. Uh, when you know when when Miles Collier, of course, the mm-hmm. the namesake, mm-hmm. uh, you know his his vision for the car club and and making this um, this come to reality is he wanted to share his love of cars with the car community. Mm. Uh, he by creating this unique space where the care. Uh, the appreciation and enjoyment of meaningful cars could be supported and also encouraged. So it's a huge place for community, and that was the that was really the the foundation for this starting. Uh, we want everyone that's a member of Call Your Car Clubs to be able to really enjoy their time while they're at the club and talk about their project, their their difficulties in their project mm. or their uh, exciting parts of, Hey, I have a, you pick the year and, uh, I'm having trouble doing a, uh, I'll make this up a break job. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? And he'll, you know, they'll be able to have, uh, like-minded folks in the car club that allows them to, and, and shoulder to shoulder, helping them with their project. Pretty mm. exciting. And I, you know, there, there are others like this out in the U S but, nothing into this space to where, as you said, John, where you're going to be able to wrench on your car, store your car, have the community that we uh, are building, and then also meet with we'll, we'll car clubs, cars and coffees on site. Uh, it's about, it's a little bit, it's a little bit over four acres. So we have 250 spots to park cars. So we'll do lots of car, mm-hmm. we'll do a lot of car clubs on site. So yeah, very exciting. Yeah, it, it is. And, and the size of the building, you know, you said 55,000 square feet or so for, to put that into perspective, that's about half the size of your typical giant Walmart store. So it's a big building. It's a huge building. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So that, 777 you know, South Congress in Delray Beach, 777 South Congress in Delray Beach. So the, I, again, the idea behind it is, is, you know, I think, and you're right, you said, you know, people have done something like this here and there. And I even, I, I saw a piece of property not far from me one day, and I said, and it had a, I don't know, I think it had a five-car garage. I said, you know, that would make a great bed and breakfast for people that were out on kind of a New England tour, and they, you know, they had a little bit of car problem, and they wanted to bring bring the car someplace where they could, you know, put it up on a lift and tinker with it or look at it and have somebody there, and I, you know, and then, you know, the the, uh, the caffeine wore off and the idea went away, but, um, <laughs> uh, but the idea that you can store cars, because especially, you know, up here in New England, we're, we're faced with all kinds of challenges of, of salt on the roads and, and salt in the air from the oceans and, and all of that. But in Florida, too, having a place that can, where you can store your classic collectible resto rod, whatever, whatever it is, kind of in a controlled environment is something a lot of people just don't have access to. So that kind of, that kind of makes it uh, pretty unique as well. It's, it's a really big deal, and it was a really big deal for us because of hurricanes, of course, and tropical storms in South Florida. So we were very mindful uh, of the building, very mindful. The building's 41 years old, so it's withstood the test of time for mm. 41 years. It, it's, it's sitting there. But, you know, we had to make sure it would withstand a Category 5 hurricane, 
it it's actually it actually sets five feet off of grade, which is a good thing. It's yep. nothing about storms for storm surge. So uh, the building will have state of the art uh, HVAC, air purification, um, cat cat five hurricane proof. Yep. So we're we're doing our very best to make sure that we've checked all the boxes. So when you have your meaningful car and call your car clubs, you know it's going to be safe and secure. No, oh, that that that's a really good point. And the area that you're in, and in fact, a lot of the east coast of Florida from Daytona on down, the the car culture is just huge down there. Everything from sort of vintage hot rods to exotics that you only see at a car show. Exactly right. Yeah, which I uh, a neighbor of mine was uh, visiting over in. Uh, over in the Miami area, and he went to go get a pizza one day. And uh, he pulls up, and he, he texts me a picture of a Bugatti out in front of the pizza place. And the guy got his two pizzas <clears throat> and left the car running. And he says to me, you know, I, I haven't even seen one of these before. And he said, and I locked my rental car, and this guy left his Bugatti running out in front of the, out in front of the <laughs> pizza place. So so the idea that, you know, those those cars and that that lifestyle is in that area. And again, for people that, you know, some people think, oh, you, you know, you own a Ferrari, you don't, you don't, you know, you have somebody else work on it. Well, that is true. But the, the, uh, recently in the last month or so up here in Rhode Island, they had the Newport Concours d'Elegance, the first one they've ever had. And talking to some of the people that went there with cars that I had frankly, never even seen before, that actually wrench on their own cars, um, the, the you know, on these multi-million dollar <coughs> collectibles. It's pretty amazing. So the idea that the call your car clubs, you can store the car in a climate controlled space, which is phenomenal. You can, you have this uh, co-working space where you can, where you can work on it and have someone there to sort of help you if you're not quite sure what to do. But I think the idea of that meeting together, and I always tell people if they if they're thinking about buying an antique or a classic car, there's no better thing to do than go to a car show and meet people that have the same kind of car to learn a little from their mistakes. And the idea that you're going to have you're going to build this gathering place, this community uh, place where people can with the same kind of thoughts and values can come there and talk about talk about their cars is pretty phenomenal. It, it, actually, it actually is. So thanks for saying that. It's going to be a place where car lovers collect. And, you know, those of us that are crazy about their cars, truck, Jeep, et cetera, uh, to, have a, to have a place to store and protect your meaningful car is a really big deal. Mm. And, you know, we're working, we're working very hard to preserve the future of the past in, in classic automobiles. Uh, you know, that that is, uh, you know, a lot of times people think, and what you just said, we're, you know, you're working hard to preserve the future of the past. A lot of people think that uh, there's a certain generation that, you know, wonder what's going to happen with the automobile and uh, are people going to be as passionate. And as people get a little bit older and kind of look back at the cars that they didn't have when they were younger, I, I firmly believe this passion is going to continue on and, and people are going to look at the cars and the car that maybe was something that I lusted after when I was 16 or 17 somebody who's 30 or 30 years old now the car that they looked after looked 
looked for and wanted and maybe couldn't afford uh, as they're getting their their kind of careers in order and things working for them uh, having having a place where they can get together I, I think there's always going to be a, there's always going to be a place for uh, car collectors and people that just want to go and hang out and talk about cars well of course we we agree uh, mm. which is why we're which is why we're building this premium purpose-built membership garage right and uh, it's going to be quite amazing, and we hope the, all your listeners will, those when you're ever in South Florida, stop by and say hello. Well, we certainly will. And can you tell us a little bit about the Call Your Family before we let you go? Um, what I'll say about Miles Collier, and if you do some research, you'll find uh, when you look for the number one classic car collector in the world, it's Miles Collier. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, he wanted to share his love of cars and we've spent, you know, several years trying to find out, uh, trying to find the space, the location to build this very mm-hmm. first place to share his love of cars. And uh, as we created that community uh, in in South Florida, so uh, he's the number one car classic car collector in the world. Well, that's that's a pretty short list then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, and yeah. we have the revs. The, the, the Revs Institute is right. in Naples, Florida. Yep. Uh, you know, you ha- have your have your listeners uh, find that online. Uh, it's a pretty f- fabulous, and uh, I, I've been there many, many times. I learn something every time I walk in the door. Yeah. Well, I I, I may do the same thing, uh, but no, this is this. Have is, you been, John? I have not, but I drove by it one day, uh, and I went, "What's that?" And I didn't get a chance to go in, so. Uh, looks, looks well, come good. and see us. I, I certainly will. Uh, so if people want more information about Call Your Car Club, where, where can they get information if they want to find out about, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, as they listen to the podcast later on and they go, you know, I, I really like this idea. And, you know, I have I have a I have a car in Fort Lauderdale. that's I, uh, I'd love to have, you know, someplace to put it. How can people find out more information about Call Your Car Clubs? Well, of course, Call Your Car Clubs with an S, mm-hmm. dot com, and they're welcome to reach out uh, to our temporary number. Are you ready for the number? 239-734-0062. So 239-734-0062. They can find out more information about Call Your Car Clubs. It, sound, it, sounds, like, it sounds like just a... a phenomenal idea and venture and an idea where people can get together and and just you know build that car car club community that um i i personally think is going to is always going to be strong but the idea that getting like-minded individuals together and talk about their cars and and hang out with their cars um you know kind of kind of similar to the newport concourse delegance that was uh going on here last month in uh rhode island that uh, you know, so many people got together, including, you know, Jay Leno was the master of ceremonies and, you know, just brought this huge contingent of people into into uh, Newport kind of in a little bit of the shoulder season and just seeing the people that were there and the passion, whether it was a passion with somebody that had a, a you know, a $10,000 BMW 2002 or a $2.5 million Bugatti. They shared the same passion and the same and the same love of you know something with gasoline in the engine, which makes it pretty phenomenal. I couldn't have said it better, John. That's exactly why uh, Miles Collier wanted to, wanted to start this. It's exactly why we're doing it. Um, it's exactly why we have such passion for it uh, to have a, a spot to store again your meaningful yep. car 
and to have like-minded folks, as you said, yep. get together and talk about their project. No, sounds fantastic. And also, you know, the idea that you can, there's there's some tools there in case you, you, you know, so many people are so involved with their cars, Yeah, but the idea that, oh, let's just see what's going on here. I, I think I, it's, a, it's a fantastic idea and, and a fantastic opportunity. And uh, uh, callyourcarclubs.com is where you find out more information. That phone number again, 239-734-0062 to actually talk to somebody, get more information. Frank, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Saturday morning. And, you know, you can, uh, you can you know, finish putting your tool belt back on and go in there and uh, get the construction started. I appreciate that. We're, we're, we're ready for memberships right now, so reach out to us. All right. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, John. Yep. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. That was Frank. That was Frank uh, Givens, the COO of the Collier Car Clubs. Uh, yeah, I, I, I always had this sort of idea. Of course, you need to have Collier money maybe to have ideas like this. But I always had this idea of having kind of a bed and breakfast with a co-working space where somebody could come in that you know stay for the weekend. You'd make them a muffin. I don't know. I'd hire Dennis. He's a pretty good breakfast cook. And. Uh, you know, have a traditional bed and breakfast, but a bed and breakfast for people that are on maybe a fall foliage tour. And they're like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to stay here, a little, you know, kind of a automotive theme kind of thing. Maybe uh, even on a Sunday afternoon, you can watch a Formula One race. Uh, last week up at uh, Ernie Box Ferrari dealership, they had a, uh, they had a car show, uh, Formula One race. Uh, watch it on big screens up there. And apparently there was a line of cars to get in and uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty well attended. The Porsche dealer here on the South Shore in Norwell had the same thing. You could go down and watch the race. But the idea of bringing people together like that, uh, just uh, just pretty, pretty interesting idea. And I kind of like it. So why don't we take a quick break? I'm going to sneeze. So we'll get my sneeze out of the way. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. When we come back, we've got some news about the Connecticut International Auto Show. It's going to be taking place this week coming up at the Mohegan Sun Casino and Expo Center. We'll be right back. Just bought a brand new GTO. Mustang Salad Just bought a brand new GTO You've heard of jalopies, you've heard the noise they make But let me introduce my new Rocket 88 Yes, it's straight, just one way Everybody likes my Rocket 88 Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WRL, the spirit of Boston you know, someday if I ever retire, um, maybe maybe the thing to do is go visit car museums. You're never going to retire. We talk about this uh, every I week. I, 
I don't know, maybe I think someday. your wife has a plan, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I was looking at the Revs Institute, which is the, where the Miles Collier Collection of Automobiles is uh, is uh, located. And uh, some pretty some pretty fancy cars there. So, uh, But the idea of going and looking at everything from, uh, from I don't know, drag racing museums to, you know, I know somebody who, uh, who uh, goes and finds old drag strips just to see where they used to be when drag racing happened in Norwood, for instance. Uh, but the, uh, the Revs Institute is on South Horseshoe Drive in Naples. So uh looks and that looks pretty interesting too and they uh, use some words in their website that are too too complicated for me. <laughs> <laughs> but they have uh they have uh, some of the uh uh information about the Revs Institute. It's revsinstitute.org uh and um some information, but it also talk, kind of interesting. It also in their website has the cars that are not on display, which is kind of a weird thing to put down. But um, but they uh, they say what will be there and what won't, like a uh, 1912 Hispano Souza T15. Again, no idea what that is. I, I actually I do. I saw one when I was in Newport, so I shouldn't say that. But uh, some some of the cars that are there, including a, a Porsche 908, uh, which is in in the workshop. Uh, but uh, it looks like a pretty interesting place too. So between the Collier Collection and the Revs Institute, again, you could spend a lot of time in Florida just visiting some of the things, including the uh, like I said, uh, there's uh, there's uh, racing museums for NASCAR. There's uh, the Don Gowlitz Drag Racing Museum. And he's there quite a bit, apparently. So, and his latest I heard from him is he's doing some uh, some uh, electric drag racing, which is kind of interesting for a guy who I think was the first guy to break 200 miles an hour in a gas drag race. So, electric drag racing. Does, mm-hmm. Is it a lot quieter than... Except for the tires, you know, tires still screech and scream yeah, well, and smoke. Yeah, and, friction. Yeah. But, yeah, but the electric motors don't make a whole lot of you noise. Hear that. No. But instant torque. So, yeah, a, so drag, a drag racer, you know, a drag car may have 5,000 horsepower. And these don't have maybe the horsepower, but they have a whole lot of torque, which gets them down the road. And I think he – I think his uh, – his electric drag racer may have broken a res- record, and he's not a young guy. He wasn't a young guy when I met him. But anyway, uh, talk about talk about cars some more. The Connecticut International Auto Show is coming up, and it's uh, coming up uh, Friday, November fifteenth through Sunday, November seventeenth at Mohegan Sun. Um, that's in Uncasville, Connecticut. It's a one-stop fun at the Connecticut Auto Show in Mohegan Sun. Make a day of it. You know, I don't know, go win a lot of money at the casino and go buy a car, I guess. Probably the likelihood of that happening. Slim to none. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But, yeah, might as well, you know. So um, you can you can check them all out. There's, of course, you know, the best thing about a car show is nobody tries to sell you a car while you're there. So you get to... You get to, you know, kind of walk around, look at them, learn about them, uh, you know, 
pretty good, pretty good thing. There will be product specialists on hand to answer questions. If you have a kid under the age of 12, they get a free Hot Wheels car. So uh, well supplies last. Um, the Supercar Showcase, a collection of supercars from the Miller Motor Cars collection. Uh, 1902 Studebaker Electric, the definitive horseless carriage, a reproduction from master craftsman Wild Bill Eggers of Goshen, Connecticut. So it's a reproduction of a 1902 Studebaker Electric. Uh, it is the first mass-produced battery car in the United States. Thomas Edison bought the second one, apparently, uh, but this is a reproduction. Enter a chance to win $1,000 worth of uh, Citgo gasoline. And, of course, there's free parking, unlike Boston, where you pay $10,000 to park your car. Where the heck is a Citgo gas station? I don't know where any are anymore. Right near my house. Okay, that's one. I just... I don't really see them. Right near where I work, there's two. That's that's all I got for you. It was it was a it was a speedway, and I think it became a Sitco. I know the Sitco sign is still in Boston, and that's like the big joke, a big sign for a gas station. But there's no gas station. No gas station. Is there a gas station right at the end of uh, that Boulevard thing? Whatever they changed the names of Boulevard. Whatever they what, what was it? They changed the name of Yaki Wade. Uh, yeah, it's. Isn't there a well, gas station right at the corner there? No, now it's a Tasty Burger. Oh. Used to be a gas station. Thought so. Admission to go to the Connecticut Auto Show, $14 for adults, $10 for seniors, $6 for kids, uh, free for kids under six, um, free admission for active and retired military. Uh, tickets must be obtained at the box office, plus military guests receive a $2 discount. And... Uh, in honor of uh, National Military Appreciation Month, the Connecticut Auto Retailers will donate a portion of the admission proceeds to the Connecticut National Guard Foundation. The show is going to be Friday from 10 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 8, Sunday from 10 to 5. It's sponsored by the Connecticut uh, Auto Dealers Association. It looks like they're going to have most of the makes and models there. Toyota, Nissan, Subaru, Chevy, GMC, Jeep, Chrysler, Honda, Kia, Hyundai, Volkswagen, Acura. Uh, so, uh, but the idea that they put it, rather than put it in the old Hartford Convention Center, they're doing it at Mohegan Sun, gives people something else to do. So you go go to the show, check it all out. You can check out the, um, there's a vintage Volkswagen showcase, which is which is pretty nice. It's step in the 60s, it says here, with these uh, beautifully preserved and restored Volkswagen Pure Classics, a uh, 21 window bus to a 62 Volkswagen convertible. Uh, looks looks kind of fun. So uh, a lot of good things there. So also something about the Jeep Gladiator. You can uh, Jeep Jeep Lucky Ball Lotto is what it says. Is come, come out to check the FCA space, the Fiat Chrysler whatever, until it changes into Porsche, until it changes into Peugeot something or other. And... Uh, Match six Jeep-branded lotto balls in the hopper for a chance to win and leave on an all-new Jeep Gladiator. Uh, it's a lease, so you got to give it back at the end. But uh, there's that. And on Friday, November 15th, is Career Day. Uh, interested in pursuing a career in automobile industry? Learn about the career and future job opportunities. Uh, so they'll have uh, uh, some events going on with that. And all Connecticut Technical High School students 
receive free admission all weekend long with ID when accompanied by a parent or guardian. So a lot of stuff going on at the Connecticut Auto Show. And if you want to go to the Connecticut Auto Show, all you have to do is give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And uh, Dennis will take down your name and phone number, and that's all. And we will have tickets for you at the will call window. We will not be calling you. You just need your yeah, phone number need your to phone give number. them at the call. Yeah, that's right. We're not call. calling anybody. I don't want to call anybody. So if you want tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show, 617-770-3030. How many? Oh. A lot, okay. I guess. I don't know. They just right. say. They just say. So if you want tickets, 617-770-3030. And they're family four packs. So you get four. So you can bring you can bring all your friends and then and their friends. So uh, so let Dennis get caught up. And again, all we need is your name and phone number and we will uh, have the tickets at the will call window for you. And uh, and the good folks at the Connecticut Auto Show will take care of it. So I don't know how many we'll do because uh, I have to send all the information to the folks at the auto show, so I might get tired of typing. So uh, there's an article that was in the paper, and anybody who's gone out used car shopping knows that used car prices seem to be going up. And wholesale used car prices, which have been on a wild ride for the better part of the last two years, appear to be cooling off, according to Cox Automotive. The overall used car uh, sales volume is expected to dip in 2019. Wholesale prices on the Mannheim used vehicle value index fell about a percent. From August to September, compared to September 2018 values, which were flat, the latest report from Cox Automotive Auction Units mark a return of more usual seasonal patterns for used car markets. Used prices had seen a seven-month, uh, had seen month-over-month gains as we've moved past the spring selling season, heading into summer this year, but that's no longer the case. 2018 was especially abnormal for wholesale used car prices, which showed a typical seasonal spring bounce last year, but then stayed hot through the summer and well into the fall. Yeah, used car prices just seem to be more expensive than usual. This year's spring spring bounce, bounce typically tied to tax returns, started in March. Values made a slight, uncharacteristic gain in June uh, and then kept kept going. While overall values on the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index are stabilizing, there's more significant shifts within the various car and truck segments. Um, electric cars, year over year, they did pretty well. Compact pickup trucks did pretty well. Full-size cars fell on their face. Uh, entry-level compact cars fell about 3%. Heavy-duty full-size pickups down just a smidge. Uh, Premium mid-sized cars up about 5% year over year. So it's kind of interesting. So I guess, you know, that could translate if you were looking for a good used car that maybe has lost a little value, but maybe a good value for you, maybe going out and shopping for a full-size car, you know, Toyota Avalon, something, Chevy Impala, something like that. Um, or... An entry-level compact car. So if you're looking for a cheap little economy car, looks like the prices didn't do very well, and it looks like you could take advantage of it. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, if you would like to join us and talk about your car and maybe give my voice a rest at the same time. So you can give us a call. More than 100,000 diesel 
powered Ram pickups will be recalled for an increased risk of fire, the truck truck maker announced last month. Ram says the recall from 2014 to 2019 Ram 1500 trucks equipped with the three-liter turbocharged engine for an issue with the uh, engine that could lead to a fire. That's never good. Never good. Engine, fire. Internally, not bad. Yeah. When flames start shooting out, yeah. not so yeah. much. Yeah, what is they? Some car company had a term for it that made it sound nice, but it was it made it sound it, there would be a I forget what it was called some some sort of event, but they made it sound like not a fire, but it was a fire. A campfire event? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a marshmallow toasting event, but it was like it was like a it was like a it didn't sound it wasn't i can't remember it wasn't like combustion but it was sort of weird uh but anyway so uh uh but anyway if you own one of these uh one of these trucks uh talk with your dealer or, or check with dodge ram about it and find out at issue are exhaust gas recirculation coolers and diesel powered trucks that are lowering temperatures of some recycled partially combusted gas and fuel which is common among um among uh Diesel-powered engines, the coolers may crack, leak, preheated coolant may leak into the intake manifold, uh, which may combust and start a fire. Paperwork filed by federal regulators uh, say that uh, they've inspected several damaged vehicles before announcing the recall. So uh, affected truck owners may notice that their pickups are using an excessive amount of coolant and their heaters don't work properly. Odd. Let's talk to uh, Mike and Hingham. Good morning. morning, Doctor. How are you? How are you today? Very good, thank you. Well, other than thank cold, you. it is. I already walked the dogs. They didn't even want to go out. But luckily, there's not that kind of wind out there today that we had yesterday. So it wasn't. It was somewhat bearable. Uh, kind of, kind of boot camp for getting ready for the winter. Yeah, I think. I, I think so. It's sort of a reminder that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you when I, I went out to uh, take the trash out last night and said. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of reminds me that uh, it's a good idea to make sure I have an ice scraper in the car and a snow brush and all those kind of things. So and shut off the water to your outside hoses uh, too. Don't forget to do that. Yeah, I, I did. I did that last Sunday, just in case. <laughs> I did. I did a couple of things. Put the hoses away. And uh, anyways, the reason I called was I, wa- I wanted to ask you more about your article in today's Globe about the Nissan Leaf. Uh, you had an interesting article there. What do you think of that car? It's on my list of things to watch for maybe a, a third car to put around town. And- it it was it was really sort of a, a sort of an interesting car because I had when the Leaf first came out years and years ago, I was sort of enthused. I was at the, a little press conference and they said it would seat five. It would do. 90 miles an hour, and it would go 90 miles between charges. And I said, wow, that's pretty good. Seats five, goes 90 miles an hour, goes 90 miles between charges. And I actually wrote something about it, and I got a call from Nissan that said, well, you can't do all three of those things at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, oh, oh, okay. Um, and you know, and then it came out last year with a little bit bigger battery pack that would bring it up to about 150 miles between charges. And then the Leaf Plus came out with the bigger battery pack, which really doesn't take up any room, and you can go over 200 miles between charges. So, and it 
drives like a pretty regular, ordinary car. It's, uh, um, and one of the things, one of the things I liked about it, uh, I was talking to somebody recently who was road testing the new Jaguar um, I-Pace, so uh, an electric SUV. And they said, they said to charge it up on 110 volts, it was going to take, I think, 40, 36 hours. Yeah. 36, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, Great article. Yeah. So, um, the leaf on 110 volts, you know, a long time to recharge, but it did have an adapter. So if you had a garage and rather than put a sophisticated charging station in, all you basically need to do is put an electric dryer outlet out there. And yeah, yeah, and you didn't have to change. There was an adapter that went on the end of the standard convenience charger, snap that on the end, plug it into the 240 volt uh, 30 amp outlet, and you get pretty reasonably fast charging at that point. So, you know, so and and charging at 240 volts a little more economical than charging at 110 too. So, um, you know, uh, kind of kind of uh, uh, an easier way to do it without having to spend, you know, three thousand dollars for a charging station. And I have seen them. In fact, I recommended a charging station to someone that was, I think it was under $1,000, and it was smart enough where you could charge it, you could set it up to charge off-peak and things like that. So um, so the Leaf, you know, I, I drove it back and forth to work a bunch of times. I charged it up at work. We have a charging station at work. You know, charged it up at work a few times. And, you know, I could see how somebody could, could live with the car. My 100-mile commute, a bit of a stretch to do that every day because you do you would need to charge it at least every other day and then you'd need a good portion of the day to charge it up if you brought it down to the last 20 or 30 miles so but for for people that are you know the average the average commute these days is i think under 20 miles somebody like that who's just you know bouncing around town going 20 miles or or heading from you know heading from uh, the south shore up to boston and being stuck in traffic, the nice thing about being stuck in traffic, you're not using any electricity. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's so a good deal. Yeah. So right now, uh, it really seems like electric cars are getting to the point where they can they can become pretty livable for most people. You know, whether it's the Tesla Model Three, the Leaf, the Chevy Bolt, which I have not driven more than around the block. Um, and we're seeing more and more uh, vehicles that are coming out with that are able to do a little bit more distance-wise, and we're seeing the prices start to come down a little bit. And we're starting to see, you know, a lot of people had concerns about serviceability. You know, what's going to happen when they break? They don't break. You know, that's right. Yeah. What's to break? <laughs> yeah, there's there's very little that goes wrong with them. You know, the, I talked to somebody who had a Tesla, and they. They ended up having to swap out one of the motors because it was starting to make a bearing noise, and it was under it was actually under warranty. Tesla came and got it, put it on a trailer, left them another car, and two days later brought their car back to them. So they made it they made it pretty easy for them. But yeah, they don't the brakes don't wear out. Um, there's no fluids really to think about having to change at least in the short term. So yeah, pretty pretty simple kind of cars. So. Um, you know, there. Uh, I was talking to the service director from uh, Norwell Porsche Thursday night, and he was talking about the new Porsche electric car that's coming right. out. And uh, you know, he he has driven it, and he says it's a phenomenal car. And you know, who who would have ever thought? You know, 
performance cars. Most of the time we thought about, you know, little electric conversions that, you know, barely got out of their own way. So, so uh, I don't know where it's all going to go. My big fear is we don't have enough electricity to make it all work. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll see. Hey, before I hang up, just wonder if you allow me, I want to give a big welcome home to all the uh, men and women who served in Vietnam. Just want to give them a welcome home. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Welcome home. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Yes. So electric cars, they don't, when you're sitting in traffic, they don't drain from the battery like even if you have like the air conditioning running a little bit running, a little bit not much going. not much you know See, because that was my big thing about yeah. electric cars and i didn't know that yeah I thought, no I I, um and if you're getting to a point where you're running out of electricity it'll start to shut that stuff down so you're gonna get cold you know if you only have if, or really hot or, or really hot <laughs> yeah but if you only have say 20 miles left the car goes into sort of eco mode, and it says we need to shut this stuff down. Listen okay. to listen to the radio, you know. So, but yeah, when they when they stopped, not a lot going on. So, I mean, you've come a long way. I remember when I first started doing the show, and electric cars started coming out, and you were like, "Electric cars, man." Well, yeah. So well, I've driven I've driven some now that have really impressed me. Uh, the uh, the Kia uh, Nero, uh, I got, they left that for me at the airport six months ago or whatever it was. And I'm like, an electric car? And I park it uh, uh, pre-flight in Chelsea. It's a little cheaper. And um, one of the car companies, uh, the company I deal with, I brought a car there and I said to him, you know, you want that car back, just leave me another car. I don't pay for the parking. And so they just go up and they take my car and leave another one and switch the parking ticket and whatever. And uh, it was, uh, I'm like, huh, electric car? Well, they had to drive to Logan. There's no place to charge it up. And then I have to drive it home. Hope it has enough electricity. Got in and it had 180 miles left on it. I'm like, that's pretty good. And again, nice car. And if you can find level three charging, so the the more powerful charging station that charge off of four hundred and forty volts, you can charge eighty percent of the battery in the time it would take to have lunch. You know, good lunch, not McDonald's. We have charging stations at my work. Mm. I don't know what they are, but I mean, the, I know the charging station. Yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. Generation, what level, whatever. Yeah, most of them are. Most of the ones we see are level two charging, which means they're sort of two hundred forty volt, you know, dryer outlet style. Um, and with the exception of Tesla, which they had to do their own unique charging plug, so nobody else could use theirs. Of course. Uh, although somebody said, but yet they have all their schematics online for free. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't didn't make a whole lot of sense. And somebody somebody somewhere I read said they found an adapter that you could charge up a regular car at a Tesla charging station and somehow it tricks the charging station into thinking that it's a Tesla. So, I don't know how true any of that is, but I thought it was interesting if it was true, so um yeah, you never know. 
Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And uh, let's talk to Tom in Kingston. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, John. How are things going? Uh, other than other than uh, uh, somehow I woke up with a cold, but, you know. Yeah. No, that's because you had the window open. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, little, no, little I know, I know what it was. I was... I was uh, I was uh, visiting my uh, my nephew's kids, and I think all three of the girls had colds last Sunday. Yikes! Yeah, yikes! So that could well, have been that's it. Your, that's it for the rest of the year. No yeah, more colds. I know for this one. Yeah, exactly. They got a question. You were talking about you had a hundred and eighty mile charge, and I don't know much about electric cars, but does that really a hundred and eighty miles? Like, what if you're stuck in Boston traffic? Well, Is it like a time? Uh, no, no, that's what uh, Dennis and I were just kind of chatting about that. When you're stuck, uh, and if you're down to just using the, you know, the heat and the AC or the AC, you're using very minimal amounts of, of electricity. So if you're, if you're stuck in a three hour traffic jam, right, you, you're not really going to use any electricity. So you get pretty close to the 180 yeah. or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Now, if you're out on the highway doing 80 miles an hour. You're going to go through it a little bit faster. Maybe that 180 that was 180, sort of like gas engine, uh, that sure. 180 yeah. that was 180 at 50 miles an hour isn't going to be 180 at 80 miles an hour because you're still pushing wind. You know, you're, you're, you're still aerodynamic. Resistance part and everything, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But, so but, when you take this car home, what do you plug in? Do you have to have a certain plug, or can you use a regular extension cord? Uh, you can use a regular extension cord in 110 volts, but it takes forever. If you're just one of our one of our listeners uh, has a has an old uh, Nissan Leaf, and she okay. charges and she charges it up with a 110 volt outlet. Yeah. And but I don't think she drives all that much, and. What happens is when she drives, she just goes home and tops it up and sort of just, it it doesn't have to charge up for that long because she never really runs the batteries down to empty. So she's just kind of, you know, sort of like a cell phone. You look at your cell phone and it's got 70% charge in it and you decide sure. I'll plug it in anyway and it's charged up in 45 minutes while the electric car does the same thing. And she has said she has seen really no difference in her electric bill. So, so when you... When you get to your, uh, you're saying going some places that has the 440 or the yep. 220, yep. whatever it is, what do they charge you for that? It depends. Um, sometimes there's no charge. At AAA, at the AAA office in Providence where I work, yeah. it's free for the first two hours, and then it's $2 an hour after that. So if I was smart, I would go unplug it from one charger and plug it into the other charger and get four hours for free, but I'm never that smart. And what happens is it's, I, have a, I have an app on my phone, and that's okay. how I turn the charger on. What happens is I pull up to the charger, and there's different ways. Some have cards, some, but I have an app on my phone. I pull up to the charger, and, okay. and it says the charger's available. I push the button on my phone, and it says you can plug in and charge. The thing unlocks, so it kind of reminds you of a gas nozzle. You open up the little door, you plug it into the thing, and then in about an hour and 55 minutes, it says the charging station where you're plugged in will start to charge you $2 an hour after, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever time it is. Okay. So, um, of course, I 
ignore that and pay the two dollars and whatever it is. But even paying two dollars, and and we just didn't want people. We, it's not the two dollars. We just didn't want people, you know, just leaving their car there. Which sure. uh, right. I, I was up in Burlington, and it was uh, in front of a Obon Pan or some I don't know some restaurant. They had a charging station, and they actually had a little sign about charging station etiquette. And it, it was sort of like, well, Uh-oh. if you're plugging here, if you're coming here to charge up your car, um, you know, th- this isn't designed to leave your car all day. You know, it's designed to plug your car in while you're at the supermarket or you're at the, you know, at the Obon Pan or whatever it right. is. And then yeah. when you're done, please move to a regular spot. Because I'm sure there are places where um, it's, and I'm going to use the city of Boston as an example. When you go by the... Um, when you go by the, the city hall, there's all the electric charging spots are full. They're all cars with state plates on them. And none of no, them seem to be hard to believe. And and none of them seem to be plugged in. So you know, you kinda of wonder, well, what's going on there? So, you know, maybe they were plugged in and they were fully charged and they're unplugging them so they can go off and do their job. Dennis is giving sure. me a dirty look like, What are you crazy? Um, so what I would I would assume if you plug it in when your car is fully charged, it shuts off automatically. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, so it it doesn't overcharge the battery, and just like uh, just like all batteries, um, you're better off not bringing it down to zero, and you know bringing it up to a hundred percent all the time can be a little tough on the battery. So if you keep it kind of in that sweet spot of range, but uh, you know, I think that maybe in I don't know twenty years, we'll probably see, you know, we'll still see gasoline cars. But I bet yeah. gasoline cars will be as rare as cars with stick shifts. Interesting. You know, I, I think the and I think the electric cars may be electric. They may be hydrogen electric, so you will go by fuel. Um, the real question is going to be as more people switch over to electric cars, and you look at the amount of Tesla threes on the road now. Nissan claims they have the the Leaf is the number one production electric car. They kind of qualify by saying from a major vehicle manufacturer, where I think there's more Tesla 3s on the road than there are Leafs. But um, you kind of look around, and there's a lot of Leafs on the road, and there's a lot of Tesla 3s, and there's a few Bolts, and there's a few other electric cars. Yeah. And, but eventually what's going to happen is the government's going to say, you guys aren't paying your fair share of road tax. I know, yeah. And, you know, when you go to buy a gallon of gasoline, you know, 20 seven cents of that is gas tax that goes towards maintaining the roads and bridges. Sure. In theory. In theory. You can see, all, according according say, you see the good job that they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What, what, I just want to be on 128 someday in my lifetime where they're not doing construction. Yeah. Because it doesn't, they're always doing construction and the roads are awful still. So, But that's a story for a different day. But I think eventually what's going to happen is, um, you know, they're going to say that we have to figure a way to charge electric vehicle owners because they're wearing out the roads just like gasoline vehicle owners are. And, um, right. and you know, that's something, that's something to be considered uh, at some point. And it will probably be based on all these electric cars have basically two-way telemetry um and it's really going to be a matter of you know you'll you'll, i don't know you'll file a report that says i went five thousand miles or ten thousand miles and my share of the mile tax is you know so many cents a mile probably yeah i would think it would be probably like when you go to get your sticker yeah 
you know, figure out the mileage, and yep. then you'll get a bill. Yeah. Similar to like you do when you go through the tolls. Yeah, same idea. Same idea. Yeah. There's going to be a way to track it all. And sure. but it's but it's really going to be we'll have to we'll have to find out you know whether it's something that's going to work or not. So I don't know. We'll have to we'll, yeah. we'll have to wait and find out. Definitely. Well, listen, great show as usual. Okay. Have a good weekend. You you as well. Take good care. Talking to you. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Why don't we take a break? Is that okay with you? I could use a break. All right. Uh, our phone number again, 617-770-3030. We gave out how many tickets? Um, Couple? Few? Three Few? groups uh, so three far. Three groups so far. If you, would like, if you would like tickets to the Connecticut Auto Show, they will be at the uh, Will Call window. And all you got to do is uh, call in, give Dennis your name and phone number, just in case they need to get a hold of you at the auto show. So name and phone number, and they'll be at the Will Call window for you. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Now, is this true the first time the word heavy metal was ever used in a song? Was that song? I believe they're the ones that coined it, yes. What little I know about anything is that. So, um, there, is, uh, there is some information out there about uh, you know, what's, what's going on with uh, electric, electric cars and other things. We were talking about that. But also, there's a... Um, uh, Chinese, you know, it looked like the Chinese were coming to uh, coming to the United States a few years ago with a bunch of different Chinese cars, and uh, okay. Okay. not long ago, you know, right. it looked like it was going to happen. Uh, now that looks like they may down, be down to one Chinese car company. It's a company called Ha Automotive Holdings has signed more than 100 dealers for these. Z-O-T-Y-E, automobile company, the only Chinese automaker with definitive plans to enter the U.S. Um, there was a bunch of postponements. Uh, in fact, the guy who uh, who uh, brought the Yugo and Subaru to the United States, Malcolm Bricklin, uh, thought he had some deal with a Chinese car company. And uh, he actually even had... Uh, Bob Tasca from Tasca Ford at one of the meetings. I was watching a special about it on TV one day, and they were all excited. And then it looked like it was didn't look like it was going quite as well as it should. So, kind of kind of funny. But uh, this company expects to have 250 vehicles. Um, our dealers by the time the first vehicle, a compact gasoline powered crossover, goes on sale in 2021 for about twenty thousand dollars. They built a team of import veterans, including sales boss uh, uh, Bob Prudzinski, who formerly with Hyundai, the marketing chief Jan Thompson, previously with Mazda, Nissan, and Toyota, to lead the charge, and Hale, who's been promising for months to name a second Chinese automaker, a um, uh, guy who used to be the PR guy for Hyundai, um, is working for them now. So, 
Our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems. Um, w- let's take a couple calls, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about an article that uh, was in Automotive News that Jim Henry wrote about uh, kind of right-to-repair data stuff. So, But let's go to Medford. Hey, good morning. Good morning, John Paul. What's going on? I have a yeah. I called you last weekend yep. about a uh, Ford F one fifty with the fuel pump, and uh, I started driving it this week. Right, and it was you know hesitating, hesitating, and everything. Then all of a sudden, it started working good again. So you fixed it <laughs> by not doing anything. Exactly. I was going to go get a fuel filter, and I never even did that. Yeah. I was like. All of a sudden, it seems to be working fine now. Mm. So I'm saying to myself, uh, is this something common with the electric fuel pumps? Well, it, it, like it, it, can, it can be, and it can be that the fuel pump cooled off a little bit, too. So, you know, with the colder weather and everything, maybe, maybe that's the case. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times when we go out and do road service, for instance, we'll have a car that won't start. And uh, depending on where the fuel pump's located in the tank, we'll take a rubber mallet and whack the bottom of the tank a couple times, and that's enough to free the fuel pump up, and it starts to starts to spin, and it works, and it'll work fine until it doesn't again. So, you know, you may still need a fuel pump. Right. Now, uh, on those electric cars there, I heard, now it can't be true, they said that it costs like 33000 for a replacement battery when they go, like, on a Tesla or something. Did uh, you uh, ever hear any crazy thing like that? You know, it, w- it was when... Um, like the Prius, the battery that's in gas electric Prius, when it first came out, they said, "Oh, the battery's like six thousand dollars." Now they're down to like fifteen hundred dollars. So, yeah. you know, everything comes down. You know, you know, if you if you're old enough, remember how much the first VCR cost? You know, they were like thousand right. dollars, and now you know now, well, you can, nobody has them anymore. But you know, you know, but the idea, you know, same thing. Everything gets cheaper as it gets more mass produced. Eventually, it'll get to a point where the price is stabilized. But you know, it to me, the cost of a battery is probably about the cost of a transmission. Right. You know, so if you said, you know, hey, you know, most transmissions can last one hundred fifty or two hundred thousand miles, and it's going to cost you, you know, fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars for a new transmission. You know, fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars for a new battery. Uh, you know, talking to people who put a lot of miles on electric and hybrid cars, usually, right. usually it's uh, you know three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand before they need to worry about it. Yeah. Now, my my daughter has a Nissan. Uh, I don't know the model. It's a you know it's a hatchback, yeah. you know, crossover, whatever yeah. they call them things. But she uh, was in getting grease and oil, and the guy said, "Oh, your uh, CV joint is." Uh, is going, you know, and it doesn't have to be replaced right away. So she said, just, you know, she had gotten the car like a year before or something. Yeah. So she says, like, oh, okay. And she goes, to do it, have it changed out, right? So she had it done. Yeah. And now it's like a year later and the thing's making noise again, right? So she took it back to the same mechanic the other Yeah. And they said, oh, it's the one on the other side that's going probably and that, uh, you know, you don't have to replace it right away. You can drive it for a while or whatever there. So she said, okay. So then she took a long drive back home and was making even more noise. So she took it to a tire place and they looked at it and they said, it isn't the one on the left. It's the one on the right beer that was replaced that's uh, gone. They uh-huh. said it's all 
oil and stuff all over the underside of the vehicle. Okay, so the so either the clamp went bad or the boot broke. Yeah, and it was making clicking sounds. Yeah, yeah so that That's means took, that, that means all the grease is sprayed out of it, and uh, yeah, and that you know it, uh, you know a lot of those a lot of those CV joints and axles have you know some of them have lifetime warranties and some have a year or two. But I would I would have her go back to the first guy who put it in and say, no, no, I had somebody else check it, and it's uh, it's the one you put in. What's the warranty on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has he, you know. Uh, she looked up uh, the the company there, that, and it said that like it was a two year, twenty four oh, yeah. thousand yeah. mile warranty. And then uh, when she took it to me, he says, "No, it's only a year." <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, I don't know. I, I yeah, well, I'm, yeah. He, he said he'd replace it. He, it was like thirteen months yeah. after he had put it in. Yeah. So, but the but the guy at the tires. Place said that he thought it was uh, um, that you get re- uh, remanufactured CV joints or whatever, and that fifty uh, percent of them don't work or something. No, I don't think most. I I think ninety percent of them are remanufactured. It's hard to buy. It's hard to buy a new one. In fact, the difference is I I remember when the uh, CV joint or uh, axle went bad on my old Hyundai. The aftermarket axle was. Hundred and twenty bucks. The factory new axle was twelve hundred dollars. Oh, okay. So you know, yeah, I could have put a brand new one in, but I also could have put ten remanufactured ones in. You know, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, the money didn't make any sense, you know. So, but I, you know, a lot of times if they're done, it depends how worn the old one was. So if they're if if whoever the company is that's rebuilding and puts a little effort into rebuilding them and I mean it's a pretty simple unit it's a cup with a bunch of balls and a thing that sits in the middle of it and they fill it with grease and put a put a new rubber boot and a couple clamps on it so it's not that they're that crazy to rebuild but if you're but if one went a long way and the balls were worn out inside of it and they just greased it up and put it back together and hope for the best well yeah you're not going to get the best rebuilt so if I ask you one more question the uh my vehicle's got like 125,000. Is it worth changing it over to full synthetic? It's got a synthetic blend, you know, the Ford. Um, and I'm, yeah, I mean. I use high mileage oil now, it yeah, says on. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's, no, there's, no reason, there's no reason to do it. Um, the synthetic blend has some of the benefits of the synthetic without being, you know, having the cost. I, I don't, to me, synthetic blend is like drinking almost light beer you know it's somewhere in between you know it's not regular beer and it's not light beer it's something something in between and you know either drink one or the other and that's kind of uh, you know with synthetic oil it's like okay there's conventional oil there's synthetic oil and then there's semi-synthetic oil well what's that right. you know so stay with you know ford requires semi-synthetic as a as a minimum uh, uh stay with it you're fine with it just stay that way I was I, I I got a kick out of it because the high mileage oil it says for vehicles seventy five thousand miles or over. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going like seventy five thousand is high mileage now. I well, they, they you know I I questioned the whole high mileage oil when it came out, and to me it just sounded like another way to charge a little bit more for regular oil. And but I talked to an oil engineer and he said, yeah, there is additives in the oil that um, keeps the seals more flexible. 
and supposedly, as seals start to dry up, like uh, you know everything from a you know a, a valve cover gasket to a valve guide seal, this is supposed yeah. to add a, a little extra to it to you know keep them more flexible and not dry out. It's you know what you know used car dealers used to do years ago was put a little bit of brake fluid in the oil because that would swell the seals up the same way. So, you know, I don't know what the additives are. Maybe there is a little something to it in my, you know, my my brain says it's more marketing than anything else, but who knows? Maybe yeah. there is maybe there is something to it. I've never heard of brake fluid. I've heard of nylon stockings in the rear end and sawdust or something, the quiet. Oh, uh, uh, yes, sawdust, sawdust was, a, you know, that was a, back in the 40s and 50s. They'd fill a... Fill the the differential with sawdust, and that would quiet down all the gear noise until it finally seized up, and then they would look inside and go, "What's all this?" Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah uh, I mean, there's uh, there was a there was a bunch of old little used car dealer tricks that people used to try to maximize what they could out of it. So, I hear you. Okay. Well, okay. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Very Take much. care, Frank. Well, bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's go talk to Rich and Newton. Rich, John. Hey, long time no speak. Yeah, it was only about a couple weeks ago. Um, Turn your radio uh, yeah, down. I your, uh, well, I took your advice. I went to Sullivan Tire and I had them replace those sensors. So I took the middle roll, like you said. Yeah. Did it solve the problem? Everything's good. Oh yeah, yeah. I had to replace both fronts. Yep. Because they because they weren't speaking to each other. Yep. Well, that that happens. That happened. Yeah, um, another thing is, um, uh, now listen to your answer. Is this thing on Channel 4 I-Team about the Jeep with the shaken front end? Oh, yeah. Oh, you've heard about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, Jeeps have always had something called death wobble. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, the one, I didn't, I didn't see the thing. I, I saw it. Afterwards, I saw something on YouTube or something, and it showed a guy driving over a two by a four by four, and the thing would shake like crazy. But yeah, it was he a, had the Channel Four reporter yeah. in the back seat because I saw it. Yeah, and it, but it was a pretty heavily modified Jeep. It wasn't a stock Jeep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I drove I drove a, a you know a Jeep just recently, and I drove it yep. over some pretty severe potholes and stuff, and it was solid as could be. It didn't. Really? Yeah. Well, they said they, they said they put in a couple of steering dampers, but it said it didn't work. It did, on his, it didn't work. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, I mean that was the that you know back in you know back twenty years ago, that was the mm-hmm. fix for the death the death wobble was to put a steering damper in, and uh, but uh, you know you see, what happens? Everybody buys a Jeep, plays with tire sizes and suspension, and mm-hmm. that that tends to change it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of a you know anybody that has a Jeep knows knows about the death wobble that can that can happen if you do things just right and if you've done a little bit of modification mm-hmm. here and there. But uh, like I said, the stock the last stock Jeep I drove was a was a Wrangler uh, four door, and I you know I. Uh, I won't say I hit a. I didn't hit a four by four out in the middle of the road, but I hit some pretty good New England potholes with it, and uh, it was there was no shake. So really, so I, I didn't. Before I let you go, I didn't realize that his Jeep had been modified. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, when you see, when you see the cam, there was they they had the film footage I saw. They had a camera mounted under the car like a GoPro, and you could see mm-hmm. you could see parts that were uh, parts that were changed. Oh really? Yeah. 
All right, John. Thanks. Okay. Have a good All right. one. You too. Take care. Yep. Let's go to uh, Bob and Lester. Bob, good morning. Hey, good morning, John Paul. How you doing? Good. Morning. How are you? Good, good. You had helped me with my Jeep before. I'm the guy that built the front end. All oh, over yeah. yeah. Had a lot of fun doing that, yeah. Right now, John Paul, I'm working on uh, my Ranger, and uh, I, I do you, put do you, do you own it. anything that doesn't get rusty? No, I no. don't. Yeah. No. They're all uh, yeah, nice yad ornament, <laughs> yeah, uh, yad, yeah. Uh, ornament yeah. John Paul. Uh, I I put uh, fluid in, uh, but uh, in my Ranger it won't shift. Okay. So uh, I I, I want to I drop it in drive. I check the fluid. It's the fluid's fine, but uh, it won't go in gear. And when it does, it it's hesitating. It's I got to floor it and it creeps. Uh, it it feels like it may be a vacuum line or no. It's probably it's probably a bad pump. Uh, a bad pump. Yeah, the pump sits the the torque converter sits on the back of the engine. The okay. uh, the uh, torque converter connects to through some uh, splines to a pump in the front of the transmission. So when the torque okay. converter turns, the pump builds up pressure, fills the torque converter with fluid, and then in turn yep. the fluid goes through the rest of the transmission. Uh, if the pump is bad. Or if the yeah. you know the other possibility is, is if the screen is so plugged up in the transmission it can't produce any pressure. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, but chances are the pump is probably just all worn out, which means that realistically the transmission's worn out. It wouldn't hurt yeah. to drop the pan on the transmission and okay. and look at the filter, and if it's all just filled with junk, um, yeah. The, you know, you might be able to replace the filter and get a little bit more life out of it. But the problem is if it's filled with all kinds of junk, that junk yeah. came from somewhere and it's coming from all the friction plates inside the transmission. So you might yeah, get a little... Yeah, it's just a yacht truck. So yeah. I, it's been parked forever. I yeah. start it once, in a, once a week. And yeah. more than likely, maybe it's something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Does it, if you shift it in a reverse, is it worse? Yeah, reverse does, but now that's not an act. Yeah, too, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Reverse uses a little bit higher pump pressure than drive, so it will act different. But it sounds like the pump is bad. Which, but like I said, if you're out, get if, to that pump. How, where is the pump? Oh, uh, so you got to pull the transmission. Oh, good. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, okay, so, well, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, but. yeah. So, but I, I mean, if I had, if I had some free time and nothing to do, I might drop yeah. the, tra- I might drop the transmission pan. And look at okay. see what the filter looks like, and maybe I can do that. Yeah, maybe clean yeah. up the clean up the filter. You know, and okay. I, you know, if I was being extra extra cheap, I'd yeah, I'd reuse the fluid again. Don't even spend the money on oh, the yeah. fluid. You know, just oh, uh, sure. yeah, just run it run it through a filter. Or, you know, put it through a coffee filter or something, and yeah. and yeah. and put it back put it back in the transmission. It didn't cost you anything to wash out the filter and. You know, and no. glue the gas, glue the pan back up there, and see if it the works. The filters, jump all the filters right there at the yep. when I drop the pan. Yeah, you'll see it. It looks pretty obvious. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Well, here we go. All right, uh, that's going to be a spring project. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, don't I, don't don't rush it. It's too cold out today. No. Yeah. No. All right. Paul. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Let's talk to Mike in Bridgewater. Michael. Good morning, John. Good morning. 
John, I'm, I'm calling to see if you've had any experience or um, what I'm asking about is, you know, you see on trucks, especially with the high ground clearance trucks, sometimes it's difficult for the first step. So they have like an interim step that kind of comes down underneath from underneath yep. the body. Yep. It's an interim step. The reason I'm asking is I have a friend, um, she's very short in stature and she has SUVs and she's concerned because SUVs will sometimes be too high for her to step up and that kind of eliminates certain ones that she's interested in because she's you know looking right. for a newer vehicle yeah. have you had any experience with are those something you can get as aftermarket or is it something you, you could put on an SUV and that would then make all of the SUVs she might even be interested in you know available to I, her I'm sure it's on the aftermarket but I haven't seen it I mean it would require it would require a fair amount of work. I mean, certainly, you know, with enough time, talent, money, you can put something on anything. So uh, right now I happen to be driving a Toyota 4Runner. Now, a Toyota 4Runner is kind of a a real SUV. It's really, you know, it's got low range. It's, you know, Toyota's version of a Jeep. And uh, it actually has power, power retractable um, running boards. So okay. it does... The problem is, for me, and I'm, and I'm, you know, well, I used to be six feet tall, but last time I got a physical, they said I was five feet eleven and three quarters. So yeah, John, I've yeah, lost three yeah. inches. So I'm with you. Yeah. So, go ahead. so uh, but it seems like it seems like the 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 electric step that comes out is is awkwardly placed. It would be like if it was a little lower, it would be better. Or just step over it, and usually what I end up doing is stepping over it. Um, but I noticed my wife, she's five five. She actually used the step to get in and out, and she's like, "Oh, that's kind of handy." Um, you could also get permanently mounted steps, the ones that you know that are just mounted with a bracket, and like a lot of pickup truck owners have, and that might make it uh-huh. a little bit easier. Okay, yeah, you know what it is. She's she's less than five feet, John. Yep. So. <laughs> There's not much range yeah. here, and so you know it, it eliminates a lot of her yeah. options. So yeah. Something yeah. Other than that, she has to park next to a sidewalk all the time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a high one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good too. Yeah. All right, John. Thank you. All right. Time. All right. Good weekend. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. I I think we need to take another break. I think Dennis said we have one more break to go, and when we do that, we'll talk to Tom and Marshfield when we come back and talk a little bit about. Uh, what's what's happening in? We'll save the article about vehicle data till next week, and we'll talk about mirrors. Sure, sure, you can see yourself or not, unless you're a vampire. We'll be right back. Back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Um, North Americans look towards camera-based mirrors. Uh, I've driven a couple of cars with the uh, rearview mirror that's actually a camera. And it's weird because when you look in a mirror, your eye focuses on what the mirror sees. When you look in a camera-based mirror, your eye's focusing on the mirror 
So if you if you're nearsighted, nearsighted, which one is the one you can't see close? Farsighted. 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 If you're farsighted, the rearview mirror may look blurry because you're actually looking at the mirror that's only a foot away, rather than on a regular mirror that you're seeing the reflection that's thirty feet away. So, some of these are pretty cool though. They have, they'll they'll put together. Like the left and right mirror and the rearview mirror all into one rearview mirror, so you see a pretty good view. Where are we going? Tom in Marshfield. Tom, good morning. Good morning. How are you, John? Good. How are you? Not bad. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on the extended warranties. I bought a 2016 vehicle, I don't know, a month ago. What kind of vehicle? Uh, Kia Sedona. They, I mean, they, you know, first off, I mean, you bought it used, so you have, you have what the six-year, fifty-thousand-mile warranty that comes with it, right? Yeah, that's expired, but I did buy their plan. Okay, and it, it seems like a ripoff. It's three thousand dollars, and the one you have at yeah uh, AAA is half that price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, kind, of, it's kind of uh, here. Here's here's the deal about. Warranties. We always, as a consumer organization, we always thought warranties weren't a very good investment. But then our members came to us and said, well, we want to buy a warranty and we want to buy it from somebody we trust and we trust AAA, which is why we we started going getting into the warranty business. So, you know, for most people, an extended warranty gives them a little bit of peace of mind. The dealers make a lot of times as much as the warranty as they do on the car. Um, it's kind of funny. We have, um, you know, I, I've looked at some warranties that that we sell versus what the dealer sells. And we, like you said, we sell it for half price and we make a little bit of money on that too. So, um, you know, we, we also sell a, a, a wheel, tire, key, and dent package for like 600 bucks for people that are blowing out tires and chipping wheels and getting door dings and losing their keys to the cars and the the dealers sell that same kind of package for like 13 or 1400 the difference is they usually yeah, get, yeah, yeah they usually I got get that yeah yeah so for the most you know if, i've always said to people if you're going to buy an extended warranty buy the one that has the name of the car manufacturer on it you know, so it really does say Kia or a Toyota or a Chevrolet or whatever, and, or go with the AAA one because I know I've been a AAA for 35 years. In 35 years, we've been a AAA. We've been selling a warranty for probably 28 years. And in that 28 years, I bet we've had three or four different companies that have done our warranty for us. And what happens is they decide they're going to get out of the business. So we assume the liability until we get someone new, which is not the case. Sometimes you, you see these advertisements for these warranty companies and they sound really fantastic, except for the fact that, you know, in a year they go out of business and you're left with an expensive piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. And is it possible to get out of that warranty to get the AAA one? Uh, once you got it, you've entered in a contract, so probably not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he said yes, you know, up and down and all around, but yeah. I was surprised that I bought it. I'm usually not that gullible, but... Well, yeah. You know, the good thing is you have it. You have it now. You you know, it's, um, 
you know, if something does happen, I mean, like, like you know, the only kind of insurance you ever, well, I guess you don't actually get to collect on life insurance, do you? But that's the one that actually, that's the only one that pays. You know, the, the, yeah, yeah. the, idea, the idea with insurance is that they, they are hoping that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to collect and you're hoping you are going to collect. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Peace of mind, kind of. Yeah, it, right, that's that's what it is. It's all peace of mind. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank all right. You. Well, you sent me a text during the week about uh, things. Some I guess hacks backs. for your car or something. Yeah. Potato starch on the windows. Um. Pam on the door jams or the gaskets there. Well, only thing with Pam is it's greasy. Yeah. So I, I mean, it would work if you sprayed Pam on the door, uh, the rubber gaskets. It wouldn't freeze. The door wouldn't freeze shut. Um, Pam works pretty good for a snow shovel. You know, if you if the snow sticks to the shovel, you spray it with Pam and it slides off easier. I, I don't want to spray it on my car doors because I don't want to get Pam on my clothes. Not that my clothes are anything special, but uh, but it, I would rather use silicone spray. Silicone spray kind of dries dry, and it does the same thing. It forces the water off the the uh, the gasket so it doesn't freeze. Uh, take a raw potato and go out and smear it all over the inside of the window to keep it from fo- getting, outside. Oh, outside. You can use it on the inside to keep it from getting foggy too. Yeah, but then you get all that. Grime on the inside. Of I know. I don't want potato juice on my car. But yeah, some of these things, some of these things actually do work. Um, but there, there's a, always a little bit of a trade-off. If if you have if you have cloudy headlights. Yes, I gotta I gotta clean my. I, oh, Libby's gonna yell at me. Yeah. I've been saying since July. Oh yeah, I'll get to it. Um. You can clean them with off the. Mosquito repellent spray. Really? Yeah. Just what? Spray it on and wipe spray it off? Spray it on, wipe it off, spray it on, wipe it off. I have no idea why, but it actually does work. <laughs> really? It does. Just a regular off, not that powdery crap, right? No, no. The regular with deep off. Deep woods type deal thing? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, there was a somebody who called me one day said, I went in to get an inspection sticker. They told me my headlights were just too cloudy to get a sticker. They couldn't put a sticker on. So he says, what do I do? I said, well, you can replace the headlights, you know, 500 bucks. You can go out and buy a kit for thirty nine ninety five with uh, some of them actually have a little uh, uh, brush, that, foam brush that fits into an electric drill. And you can tape up the all around it and buff and buff and buff and buff until they come clean. Or I said, you, you got some off, go spray it on it, wipe it off, spray it on, wipe it off. It may only be temporary. Guy called me back in like three hours and said, got my sticker. <laughs> I said, what'd you do? He said, sprayed them with off. And the guy looked at him and said, eh, they look good enough now, okay. So you could try that. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously so, not today. It's too cold. Not today. Yeah, because the off will spray. And, and I don't know what's, again, what's in off that clears up plastic that doesn't melt your skin, but... <laughs> Uh, there's something there's something in there so uh so there's uh you know there's a lot of that sort of stuff there are some of these um kind of old wives tale sort of things that will uh that will uh, allow you to kind of maintain your car 
or is uh, Craig Fitzgerald, who's my boss, I guess, at, uh, at Best Ride, says to me, more John Paul tips from under the kitchen sink. So there, there are some things that there are some things that you can do that will uh, that will uh, get you uh, get you to the point where you can uh, get your car working the way it should. Hey, it's my my watch says it's after ten o'clock. I'm cutting um, into the Irish hey, hip parade. What are you doing? Uh, nine, I'm, I'm cutting into the Irish hip parade. Nine forty seconds. Oh, okay. Oh, I, we got we got twenty seconds. Hey, uh, hey look, fifteen it's, seconds. It's, it's Matt O'Donnell. Just hanging out there. Hang yeah, around. hanging around. He's he's got he's got two coffees, so he's good he's good to go for a while. So he's ready to go. Hey, the very best in Irish music coming up with Matt O'Donnell filling in for our buddy Paul Sullivan in the Irish Hit Parade. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye. There were two sisters side by side